Stone Blue Line. The Golden Jet driving at center in on the Ranger defense. Getting set, he may pass or shoot, he drives one. And welcome to Chicago Plus the Points. My name is Michael Vale. I am joined as always by my co-host, and we confirmed as my brother, uh, Matthew Vale. Mom was uh, was good to do that last week. And uh, you know, Howdy, Matt, we're what'd you say? Howdy, Mikey. Howdy. Uh, we are also joined uh, by a very special guest. Uh, we have professional horse player. Uh, it goes by Inside the Pylons. Uh, is uh, legendary on horse horse racing Twitter. Which I don't know, like Inside the Pylons, like. I don't know how you would describe horse racing Twitter, but it's a wild west of a place. Like I, it's, it's, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's, it's something. It's bad, but <laughs> it's bad as a whole because there's so much misinformation out there. But I think it's, I think it's good because there are a few people like myself that actually say stuff that other people don't hear. Yeah. From, from the mainstream stuff or media or, you know, from the racing shows or whatever. Yeah. And if you just look at those tidbits and you gain something from it, it's way better than not having it. So exactly. And, and that's why this is the perfect podcast for you because you spend most of your day trying to get, uh, you know, seasoned horse players out of bad habits. Most of our listeners, they bet horses once a year, so they have no habits. All right. So we're starting from scratch. We can do this. Uh, my co-host Matthew Vale is a perfect example of that, right? It's much easier to teach people from scratch than it is to get them to alleviate their bad habits for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we might need to work on that for regular betting, but I, I'm a clean slate for a horse betting. So <laughs> ready to listen. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into the horses, you are from Vegas, correct? Yeah. I live in Vegas right now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Matt and I have been many times. We love Vegas. Um, we are, we do fall into the trap of not leaving the strip very much. So as a local, Give me, give me a spot, like either a bar or restaurant, just a, just a cool place to visit that, that tourists don't know about, but should. Wow. Uh, my favorite restaurant is actually on the strip, but it, that's it's so weird good because nobody, nobody knows about it. Like it's, it's closed right now. And I just don't know if they're going to open back up. They've been closed for the whole pandemic. Oh man. But it, it's on the third floor of the Caesar forum shops. And it's Il Molino, and they have the best start-to-finish meal in town. Really? And it's my favorite. It's my favorite restaurant, and it's hidden up in the corner, up top in the Caesar's Forum Shops, in the very front. And is it an Italian restaurant then? Yeah, it's an Italian restaurant. They have them in New York and other places, and just it's outstanding from start to finish, and it's always good. And they have a bunch of good things on the menu. Everybody, you know, there's, there are certain dishes that are astronomically good. And then, they're, you know, but they have all kinds of stuff. Service is first class. Um, but it's been closed the whole pandemic. And I just don't know if they're going to open back up. I called over there and there's nothing. Really? So, uh, no. but like I, I said, nobody that. knows about it. Believe, no, I, I, I don't. Not, I like, well, we're, we're going there if again. If you go September. there on week. Yeah, if you go there on weeknights, more locals go there than tourists, I would say. Really? Like, it's amazing. Like, it's yeah, it's just, it's a weird spot. Like, they don't really advertise that much. And 
if you if you're staying at Caesars, you don't even know it's there. That's that's how hidden wow. it is. No, it's um, funny because we go to and then when you walk when you walk the floors of the form shop, you know everything's on the main level, and the only thing that has a second and third level is the very front. There's a little circle, and but you have to go all the way to the top and go all the way in the corner, and just it's weird. Nobody nobody finds it. No. I, I ask a million people who have been here. I go, have you been to El Molino? No, never, you know. And when I talk to locals about it, it's amazing how many locals know about it. So, no, it's, it's I, just, I, lo it's I love the spot. And even though it's not off the strip, yeah, it's the best restaurant in town for just from start to finish, like I said. I mean, no, because there's not a ton of great. There's, there's, there's a. Huh? Because there's not a great, like, because there's a lot of good steakhouses on the strip. There's a lot of good, uh, you know, French restaurants. There's not a ton of great Italian now that I think about it, man. I mean, we used to, yeah, ba back when uh, Batelli had his place, that was really good. Uh, yeah, but, like, oh, like, like not Venetian anymore. Say it again. No, yeah. no, he's out. Yeah, yeah he's way oh, out. I, I think yeah. he got me too. Car Carbones at the Aria is the new end spot for gotcha. Italian. Um, that's that's the uh. And then they have uh, Ray Owls at Caesars, but for whatever reason, that's not that's a that's a flop compared to them. One, oh, we'll, we'll have to go there because like we've been to Caesars a lot. Like I mean, I used to Mesa Grill was my favorite restaurant at Caesars, but I, that's gone now too. Uh, yeah, but, still got uh, Nobu, but that's pretty hefty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Nobu's just good. That's not a Vegas thing. Nobu's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's weird. Like yeah, it's another season. Yeah, so yeah, but off off. There's a bunch of little hole in the wall Italian places off off the strip, uh, you know. But it's it's nothing you would travel for. Uh, same with the restaurants. Like the restaurants off the strip are, you know, they're good, but they're not, you know, they're not really the experience that you get on the strip restaurants. So if you're if you're on if you're if you're coming to town, I I would stay with the strip stuff basically because there's plenty of good places like there, like. Yeah. You know, I love Mastro's at the Crystals uh, form shop. I'm not the, the Crystals. The Crystals at the Aria, the yep. shopping center there. Yep. I mean, they, they serve a great meal. And, you know, there's a bunch of steakhouses in town that are great. Uh, oh, they're awesome. Our favorite yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, that's, if you're coming to town, go, you know, even though it's more pricey and stuff, just go there. I mean. Well, that's what we typically do. I mean, like my favorite steakhouse is uh, if, if we can get the table by the fountain is prime. I mean, if that, that is one of the yeah, cool things. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like there's just, there's so many options and there's no need to leave the strip unless you're, unless you're meeting some, unless you're meeting a local person and they'll, they'll, they'll steer you to good spots. No, it sounds so, fantastic. Um, that, that's, so, oh, so yeah. I could talk. Well, go ahead, Matt. So one one last Vegas related question. Um, I I saw your your hat there. We're we're big hockey guys. So uh, unfortunately, it doesn't. We're uh, from Chicago. Big both big Blackhawks fans. But unfortunately, we're probably not going to see much playoff any playoff action this year. But uh, just wanted to know your quick thoughts on how you think the Knights are going to end up this year. Yeah, I mean, right right now they're good. Uh, I you know I I think our. I think our division is terrible besides the top three teams and maybe St. Louis, like Minnesota sneaky good. Um, I think they can play yeah, with weirdly. anybody and beat anybody. Well, they're always a tough team. Huh? Like when during the Blackhawks. Yeah. They just, they grind the it down. And I, yeah. And like, so we kind of get it. We kind of get it easy. Now 
you know, there's bad teams and there's bad teams in all divisions, but I just think that it's, you know, it's, it's the tough games that matter. And that's where you got to play your best. Like we're playing Colorado right now, as we speak, and we're up one, nothing after five minutes. And, uh, those, you know, those are the, it's those type of games where you got to see how good you are. And we don't play a lot of them. And, you know, we haven't, everybody's kind of unhealthy some games, so you don't really get a gauge on it. But I mean, I think we're pretty solid. I, I just hope that I hope we don't beat ourselves up too much if we play Colorado before the winner doesn't, the winner of the series doesn't beat themselves up too much before they go yeah, to the, Col- final, the final. Colorado will be pretty tough. But I, I actually yeah, like, realize that you, you guys have the second best record in all of hockey, actually, right behind Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I think we have the best percentage <laughs> or the most. I, I it, it switches back and forth daily now because we won. Yeah, so they do have one more point currently than you right now, but they've played two more games than you. Yeah, so. that's right. We have the, we have the best yeah. percentage or whatever. And yeah, I mean, we just, you know, we play we play we play a bunch of bad teams and you know, but but but, but that's the thing is I watched other good teams play bad teams and they lose to them. So I you know, you can't really you can't if you're just playing good and you're winning every game, I mean, you're obviously a good team. And I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen when we get to the playoffs, whether we're going to have to. DeBoer says we're going to go to one goalie, but I kind of wish we'd stay at two because it's working. We're winning every game. Why would you switch? I mean, that's, that's going to be, and then the one you switched to like last year when we switched to Leonard, you know, the, the flurry thing came out and it was, you're welcome. Prince. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, there was a problem with the, you know, the, the backstabbing thing and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I hope we stay with two, even though everybody says you can't, which I don't know why you can't, because, you know, it, it, it's Other, working. So. Well, you guys are getting, and we'll get into this with, you know, horse betting, but there's nothing wrong with getting a little creative. I mean, we, we just saw in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays did not have a starting pitcher. They just, Absolutely. they just did a bunch of relievers got into the World Series. It was unreal. Yeah, there, there's just those little things that people say you can't do it, but there's nothing. It's just like, you know, it's status quo stuff that doesn't really mean anything. They can't prove you can't do it. They just yeah, say you can't do it because they say it won't work. Well, why won't it work? I mean, it, and well, yeah, especially if, if you're the best at something like because to switch gears to, to football, even. Like everybody says it's a quarterback league, but look what Kyle Shanahan did with three running backs and taking them to the Super Bowl. Exactly. You got to know what you have. Yeah. You just got to make what you have work. I mean, the reason, the reason the two goalie things probably doesn't work is because, you know, most teams don't have like two of the top 10 goalies in the league on their team. So, I mean, (laughs) embarrassment of riches you guys have, man, it's unreal. Yeah. I mean, where, where, I mean, when does that happen? I mean, it's just, so just keep, I mean, you're winning every game. If some, if one of the guys starts faltering at the end of the season, which we're at the end of the season, basically, but you know, or if one, if one of them, you know, shows problems in the playoffs, like for a game or two, then get rid of them. I mean, but go in the same way. I mean, go, why, why would you switch something up where you're winning every game? I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why, why DeBoer said earlier that he basically, he basically inferred that, yeah, we're going to go to one goal. So. Okay, I gotta tell you, ITP, because like I love 
I, I did not think that Vegas could hold a fan base when they first came there. And Matt, Matt and I have both been to T-Mobile. It is electric. You guys have such a good fan base and you're so passionate. And it's for hockey in the desert. It's so cool to see. Yeah, like it's weird because like I, I knew it would be good for a while. You know, maybe after five, six seasons of basement dwelling or something like that, it might <laughs> drop off. But I mean, once we started winning, it was it was over. And like, and, and what what other people don't realize is, you know, before the pandemic and stuff, like you can't. Everybody looked at their schedule to see when they're playing Vegas. And Absolutely. They all made trips to come to Vegas, so there is no there's there's there was going to be no time where the arena wasn't full. So, I mean, even if even if the fan base here dwindled the arena would still be full, whether it be from the, you know, the traveling fans or stuff like that. And so that, you know, there's always going to be, you know, it's always, it's, it's, you know, you know it's not going to be like one of those teams that loses fan base and all the empty seats, like the Panthers or something. Um, so it, it would just be a question of how many, how many Vegas fans there were compared to visiting fans, but you were always going to get a full house. No question. And you guys, you guys put on a show. It, it is. Yeah. Just- I, love I mean, there's, I think there's 12,000 people on the waiting list for season tickets or something like that. Oh well, I mean, I mean, just think about that for a second. I mean, but it's like, as we were talking, it's just like, there's something about like, like talking to another hockey town, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's yeah. just such a, it's just such a visceral, awesome thing. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about it is everybody comes here and most of the people come here from hockey towns or were hockey fans back at their, you know, where they came from. You know, this is kind of a melting pot from all over the United States. And, you know, older people come here and, you know, retire and stuff like that. Well, there were all hockey fans where they came, you know, all the hockey fans now. And they've adopted Vegas as their team. And this is where they live now. And, you know, and then you've got the younger fans, you know, the hockey, the the junior hockey has increased by like 20 fold since. That's you know, great to see. Since we've got the Knights. I mean, they have to build, you know, there used to be like one hockey, there was one hockey rink in town and now there's like, there's five and they can't even, they're full like from morning till, you know, and even, and even the adults play, they have the adult leagues and stuff. Dude, like the, they play the, three in the morning and stuff because that's the only time they can get ice time. Dude, beer, just, beer leagues are the best. They are so yeah, It's crazy how the whole, it's, I mean, the the hockey the the hockey amplification in this town, I mean, we could lose twenty straight years and they'd still be sold out every night. It wouldn't matter. So, no, because it's cool. I mean, look, my my favorite baseball player of all time is Chris Bryant, and uh, he's a he's a Las Vegas native as well. So it's you guys are getting a lot of homegrown talent, which is cool to see. And it's so and what it's not like it's not like any other place I've ever been to with hockey. Like when I you know when I lived in California, I lived in Orange County. If you wanted to go to a Kings game, you basically have to leave at two thirty in the afternoon to get to a seven o'clock game. I mean, if we start at seven, I live about eighteen minutes away with no traffic, and if I leave at six fifteen, I'm in my seats every time before. Oh, it's fantastic! The puck drops. And by the way, to anybody who doesn't know, like T-Mobile's right on the strip. It's right yeah. behind New York, New York. Yeah, and you can get to it so easy. Like you just park, you know. Everything, if you know what you're doing, just everything's so simple and you're right there and parking's free. I mean, where else? I mean, it's just, no, did I, it's such a, it's such a good atmosphere and 
and the logistics of it are so good it, it it'll never go away it's just they make it so great for everybody no the, the strip is I, i've i've been able to sell the strip to so many friends that have this old cd version of las vegas and what they don't yeah. understand is like they to keep the gamblers there they've surrounded it with so much cool shit yeah. That, so whether you're a golfer, go play Shadow Creek. Go, if you're a restaurant guy, there's some of the best foods in Vegas. And then we're yeah. talking about sports now. It's you don't have to gamble to love Vegas. No. And we're, you know, I, I, I would if there wasn't a pandemic, I'd say we already have an NBA team. Uh, I give it probably two, three years now before we have an NBA team. No, I, I'm guessing the pandemic slowed things down, obviously, but I don't think it'll be very long. And then you know we got the Raiders, so. Well, not, look, you, the, the Golden Knights blew the door open, and now now that all these leagues are getting comfortable with gambling, it's... Uh, yeah, it's I mean, the Raiders um, sold their season tickets out in no time, too. You can't, it's just... Oh, literally, I saw, I mean, there was Raiders stuff everywhere. Every gift shop, it is, it is it's yeah. going to surpass. I think it'll surpass the Knights pretty darn quickly, but it's... It was really a shame, though, that in their first season, they couldn't have anybody even just to yeah. like trickle in some fans but yeah i mean obviously that unprecedented pandemic yeah. although i just they, saw they, clark county's now 80 percent uh, you can 80 yeah we're going to 80 percent on may 1st yeah. yeah all right and the raiders the raiders the raiders are planning on a hundred percent by the time the first game starts uh i don't know what the knights are going to do here I think right now, I, I think they're going to probably ramp it up to 50%. Maybe maybe the last two games, of, we play St. Louis at home. And I think they might ramp it up to 50% before those games. But I think when the playoff, even if they don't, I think they might just do that as a test run before the playoffs just to get everything. Because right now, they're, I think they're 25%. Um, uh, I think they might ramp it up to 50 for the last two home games. But if they don't, I think by the playoffs, they'll get to 50%. I don't it's think they'll 50%. go to 80%. If it's 50% uh, even for the playoffs, that, that atmosphere will be electric. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's amazing because when you listen to it on TV and stuff and the, and the players talk about it, they say, we can't believe we've got like, you know, 3,800 people here and it's like a full crowd. I mean, it's yeah at most buildings, I should say. No, it's cool. That's cool. Well, I could talk yeah. about Vegas forever. Um, uh let's let's try to switch to horse racing uh but yeah vegas i cannot describe how much i love vegas it, it is one of my favorite cities so yeah no it's 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 good in moderation agreed <laughs> that's yeah true. I, the town has ruined many people let's just put it that it's way the, the right amount of wrong the right amount of wrong yes yeah, yeah. i love the cosmo it's a great it's a great slogan the cosmo yeah yeah oh dude it's well, that's where my bachelor party was we had a we had, yeah we had a time wow yeah that place is wild so uh so let's so let's start this off. So most of our listeners are are kind of fresh to horse racing. They they bet one or two times a year on these big days. What would be your advice? Like let's start with what are the bets we should be avoiding? Right? You you go in, you know, you see you can bet these verticals, exactas, trifectas, you can bet win play show, you can bet these horizontals. But what are the pools we want to avoid just right off the bat? Um you should first thing you should do is avoid any pool that you your bankroll doesn't suffice for. So uh, I think Superfectas on Derby Day are a dollar. Uh, I don't know about Oaks Day. And su uh, Superfecta, just to clarify, that's first through fourth, right? Yep. Yeah, first through okay. fourth. Yeah, I think Derby Day, they're all a dollar. Is that correct? I literally I think, think that's they correct. I, I or is think it they... just on the Derby? 
So it might be just the Derby. I know the Derby's a dollar this year. They might have just changed that this year because I remember seeing people complain about it, but I'll have to check that. They might have gone. You no, know, last year last year they lowered it, but I know they raised the Derby to a dollar. I'm pretty sure every right. Superfect is a dollar. And and uh, why is that base on important? Derby Day? Can you can you explain that why the base amount is important? Well, the base is important because Superfect is with four spots have, you know, your your tickets multiply pretty quick, and what happens is with the dollar base. If you try to reduce your tickets, you tend to go chalky, which is not good. And so as you as you reduce, there, there's good and bad to both. With dimes, people spread out a little bit more and they can get to longer prices, but they win less when they when they actually do hit one, they they usually win less than they do when they're playing for a dollar. Right. So a dollar, if you play. If you play properly, a dollar is fine because you still want to play. The, the, the prices become more valuable for a dollar. So if you're playing for a dollar, you want to get more prices on your ticket. But with the dollar minimum, it's more expensive. So if you're not, if you don't have the bankroll for that, you should probably stay out of that because you can't play properly. If you you have a tendency not to play properly. How's that? Yeah, you play. And there's a lot play. of variance. And there's a lot of variance when you're playing that. Right. So are you on the Derby? You know, twenty horse field. How yeah. many horses do you think it takes to play it properly? It, it all depends on what you like. If, yeah. If if you if if you like chalk, you need to be. If you like if you like the favorite to win, like let's say like essential quality then you probably need to be a little bit more narrow underneath or key like a couple bombs underneath to be like second, third or fourth. And then you still shouldn't be that wide after that. Gotcha. So, you know, if you do it properly, it, if you, if you like some prices and you really like them and then you probably want to be a little bit wider because if one of them comes in then you really, want to hit it you don't you don't you don't want to narrow because yeah. but you're forced to narrow because of bankroll and because it gets real costly with prices and you know sometimes it's better just making a win bet because there's so many yeah there's so many you know there's so many caverns you can fall into you know because that was that was going to be my follow-up so let's say your bankroll's a little lower you know you're bringing 200 dollars yeah. to the derby What's what's a bet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Matt, for example, <laughs> is the wind pool kind of yeah, is the wind pool kind of where you want to start living? Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big wind pool guy. Uh, I make wind bets. The normal person, it's tough because it's tough to win any money making wind bets. And when you when you when you play a derby card. You kind of want to try. You want to give yourself chances to win money on something like that because you don't get these opportunities all the time. Yeah. So, you know, I I would say, and I, I mean, there's just so many opportunities on the derby card. My my whole thing on the derby card, like, it would be just to focus on the. Don't play every race like you know every race is equal. You know, just find one or two races where you think you like a horse and then you can play that race and then you can maybe play some horizontals around those races. Mm -hmm. um, that'll give you some more action in the races. 
but you don't just want to start the derby card off on race one and say, I'm betting this race and I'm betting the next race. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to make money, if you're, if you're going to have fun or you're just trying to have fun, then that's fine. But it's just tough. Like I can't, I can't deviate. Like there's, there's some terrible races on the card from just looking quickly. Oh, like the first, the the first couple on Derby are rough. Yeah. And there's some first time, there's one with a bunch of first time starters. If I, yeah, like there's just, there's a bunch, there's just a bunch of races that aren't very good. So like, if you can just get past those without betting or betting a lot of money, or if you love those races, bet, you know, you can get to the better part of the card where you can have, you've got some more established form and some chances fuller fields with, you know, horses that, you know, can find some prices and stuff. So I like something you said, which is like, most, you don't of, get the, out. most of the derby cards don't talk out, you know, if you watch. Yeah. So there's always some kind of mayhem somewhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I liked what you said too, is like, yeah. there's, there's very few opportunities in a year, like you get on derby day. So explain what's different about the derby wagering menu and like why, why there's so much better opportunities on days like this. To make money. Yeah, well, there's just there's 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 so much money in the pools, and there's so much money that's in the pools that isn't sharp, and the sharp money can't. Yes, I'm dead money. Yeah, there's there's you know there's people betting gray horses and names and stuff like that. My my favorite year was with remember Patch. That was that was the Derby horse that year. That that was my favorite dead money horse ever. Yeah, and my boy Jack or whatever. My boy Jack. Yeah, there's just. Jack. I know there's just a bunch of them. You know, and there's kind of recent. Well, my boy Jack was it was a sl- it was the sloppiest track I'd ever seen, and I was at that Derby, and I remember calling you, and I go, "Listen, Matt, find out which horse can swim, and that's who you bet." And that it, I guess somebody on national TV said that horse happened to be my boy Jack. So yeah, the masses just bet him down from like thirty to five to one. It was why it it gave you a five yeah. to two price on just it was crazy. Yeah, exactly. And like, you just, you, you really, you know, you really don't know which horses they're going to bet. Like, you know, from what all, from all indications, like uh, Mattress Mac is going to bet between two and 4 million on essential quality. So wow. obviously right there, you really can't, you really can't bet him to win because depending on how much he bets, he's going to drop the price by, you know, between somewhere between like 14 and 25%. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit more. That's four million. Yeah. Uh, Which is wild that so one man really, can lower it on a day like the Derby. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. Like w- once once you know that, I mean, unless you unless you think he's a cinch or you have tomorrow's newspaper, you really can't you really can't bet on him to win. I mean, there's he's just out of the equation. And it's funny because normally normally in the Derby, the favors prices are a little bit overlaid because everybody's betting some prices, you know, for like patch and whatever down. So it elevates the favorite and some of the medium prices in this one, it's going to be the opposite. Like he's going to, you know, the long, you know, the longest shots are still going to be underlaced, you know, even though they do win sometimes, but you know, the favorite is usually an overlay. And in this one, it's just because of him, it's not going to be so. That's out of the equation on 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 this particular derby because there's not yeah, going to be enough. Yeah, there's not going to be enough money to uh, there's not going to be enough money to uh, overcompensate that kind of bet. Uh, there'll be some obviously, but 
the thing, the problem with it is, is, you know, it's not like a normal race. If you bet 4 million on a horse in a normal race, you normally have like, you know, two, you know, one, two or three options to try to bet against the horse. But in this one, it's just, you know, there's so many, so many other options in there. Yeah. And everything's, you know, the, the, the takeout, yeah. the, you know, with, with 19 other horses, the takeouts kind of spread out and the so, edges are kind of dwindled. So let's say we yeah. like essential quality because the good news with the magic Mac bet mattress pack bet is his, his money's going in the wind pool. Yeah. So it's not affecting yes. the horizontals. Some of the verticals is that no. if you like essential quality, is that how we have to attack them horizontally and, and maybe. Like, yes, correct. It's just, yeah. It's like I said earlier, you can't bet them in the wind pools, but the other pools should be fine. I mean, yeah. you know, as long as you think, you know, the other pools, he's, he's still going to be the big favorite in all the other pools. Sure. Sure. But, but it's not, not as big. depressed with that Brett. With that bet. correct it's not depressed by the two to four million correct yeah because um you know so it, for you know some some it's funny because without without knowing that ahead of time some of the computer algorithms would look at the wind pool and then think that the exacta and the tri pools were overlays and compensate those uh, but so knowing because that's kind of how some of the computer programs do it they try to you know they try to pull the value out of the exacta pools if the wind price is low if the exact is sagging high and stuff like that right and so you know you can you can get a false read on a wind pool like that if you don't know where the money's coming from but you know i'm sure they'll have it figured out where we're you know where the money's coming from that'll be interesting to watch yeah, uh, go go ahead matt what'd you have so kind of taking like a one one uh, step back, uh, just an overview. Um, can, can you explain the difference for, for me and so, some of the other people aren't as familiar with horse racing between uh, the vertical betting versus the horizontal? I, I'm pretty sure vertical is more of like a pick five, but that, that might still be a good explanation for me who's not as familiar with it and people oh, no don't know what it is. I do, go ahead, yeah, I do, if you want to. Yeah. Verticals in race, horizontals, across races yeah so, so so matt your pick five is gonna be horizontal okay and then stuff yeah. like okay I, I that back so verticals like betting, yeah verticals like betting tries and supers and stuff in one race and horizontals betting pick threes pick four pick fours pick fives pick sixes i guess so out of those, just those around. two which style do you usually lean towards um the vast majority of my the vast majority of my play is vertical, but uh, my my highest ROI is horizontal. But I'm way more selective in horizontals. Um, if horizontals, I kind of have to like something or look at the sequence and see something that intrigues me about where I can zig or zag or something like that. Whereas verticals, I can kind of, I just look at a race and, you know, if I don't like the favorite, I'll just mechanically throw up some tries and supers, stuff like that. So it's way easier for me to bet vertical than it is horizontal. Cause, and not only that horizontal, I usually have to do some work. Like I, I'll have to look at, you know, I have to look ahead. I'll have to figure out what everybody else is playing. And then I'll have to see if I can find anything that I like around that. And 
I'd rather just look at a race for a minute or two and make bets. It's easier. It's yeah. easier to generate for me that way, even though my ROI is way lower on that. Sure, um, sure. But the, but you're getting some churn, and and as long as you're yeah. uh, uh, getting enough bets in there, you you get the rebate. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like when I'm more when when I'm actually when I'm when I'm actually playing a horizontal bet, I'm usually I'm generally liking it. And that's why my ROI is way higher on those. I uh, I know it's earlier in the week. Do you do you pl- do you think you'll be playing some horizontals this weekend? Do you find that there's typically value in, in the derby? I probably won't. I derby day. I generally migrate more to the tracks that I normally play, and because not so much maybe this year, but when when you go to any track in the country that's racing on derby day the track is full okay and those people are playing that track and they're playing churchill and the pools at every track in the country is are astronomically higher than normal i didn't ever i've never i've never thought about that but you you, that makes a lot of sense actually that you actually and so what happens is the pools get inflated at all my normal tracks and the tracks and the pools get inflated with dumb money at the tracks where I'm sharp at. So I just kind of ignore the Churchill card yeah. and I go all the tracks which are inflated due to the Derby. That's I mean, so, that's just me. So that's so funny. So, so your volume's actually much bigger on the, on the smaller tracks that day than actually a Churchill. It's, it's my volume usually triples or quadruples on Derby day, <laughs> but none of, like it, it. none of it is at Churchill. That is so, so funny. Is uh, what it comes down to. No, so it makes it unless I get bored. Like on dirt on the derby, what I bet the most are matchups, horse for horse matchups, and I'll look at those generally the night before, and try to get some idea, and I'll find a couple that I like, and I'll generally bet them, and then somebody will come in on the other side, and I'll rebet throughout the day, so. That's gotcha. so is that a, is that exchange wagering or are you going to sports books and actually getting sports odds from books, them? Yeah, sports books hang up yeah. head to head matchups on, you know, let me like if I don't like a horse in the Derby, there's not much. I mean, I could play the Derby and there's obviously throwing them out. You know, I'm that much if I'm right, I'm that much more ahead in whatever I'm playing. But with 19 other horses and no real opinion other than I don't like this horse, I matchups are my best option. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, um, but cause I, and I know a lot of, even these online sports books are starting to offer matchups as well. Are you, cause obviously you have to have an opinion on the horse. Are you more betting against horses in that situation? Or are you betting for horses you like? I'm more betting against horses. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, like I'll find a and horse it, that it, I don't like. I'll find a horse I don't like for a reason. There's a million reasons. Like, you know, Friday will come out. Friday will come out and it'll say, uh, you'll read an article where this horse, they're putting a bar shoe on him or something, right? Well, mm-hmm. that's an automatic, I hate you, horse. Just because, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're not putting, you're not changing, you know, you're not putting that shoe on your horse unless there's something wrong. And if, if it wasn't the Derby, they wouldn't be racing this horse. Like if it was a regular yeah. Saturday, 
there's they'd scratch him they just wait for whatever the problem was to get fixed but since it's the derby they're putting the bar shoe on and they're going so instantly that's a complete go against the matchups you know just a little you know it's always a little something i'll find or you know uh uh, you just want horses that for whatever reason aren't going to be at their best that day because given the circumstances, 20 horses, a mile and a quarter, all the things is when horses aren't at their best, they generally really don't perform well. Yeah. Given yeah. all the circumstances. Which, which horses? In other circumstances, they can overcome it a little bit better, but not at the Derby. Yeah. Which horses are you finding more mispriced in that market? Are you finding like some of the long shots being way mispriced um, or, or the favorites? Like I said, normally the long shots are the most mispriced. Like I think mine, that bird was what, 50 to one. I mean, I think he was 300 to one on the exchanges or something. Um, I think, you know, I think any reasonable, reasonable book would have gave 200 to one on him. Oh, yeah. You know, that was booking action on the Derby. Um, you could you have know, bet him mid derby like that, so. and still gotten that price, huh? You, you could have almost bet him up until the last, yeah, time no, down, that yeah, down, down the backside. Uh, if they had live betting, he probably would have been 999 on him, exactly, exactly. You know, and Tom Durkin can't find you, that's a, that's a crazy win, <laughs> yeah. He would have, you know, like he would have been triple nines, and like, you know, there would have been a ton of money, you know, trying to lay him. Because you know it's you know it's free money basically they're thinking, yeah. yeah. So the long shots are generally the long shot the big long shots are generally underlaid. Um, some of the mid prices that are the wise guys horses are underlaid obviously, and then you know the favorites. It, it's just it, it's just you've got to land on horses that other that the public isn't landing on, or or the wise guys aren't landing on. Um, and, and it's, and not only that, it, it's an overlay only based on your opinion too. You know, I don't, I don't think there was anybody going into the derby that said, oh, I have that mind that bird at like 17 to one to win this race, you know? Yeah, right. So, cause if you did, then he's an overlay to you, but yeah. you know, and that, that's what I mean. Overlays and underlays are all based on your opinion. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a good point. Well, let's, yeah. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying is like, I don't really I don't really question people's handicapping too much. Yeah. You know, I just tell them that like, you know, you need to bet based on your opinion. And, you know, if you like, a, if you love a horse because he's 12 to one on the line and you like them because he's 12 to one and he's going in the gate and he's nine to two. And it's like, you're still betting him. It's like, did you really, would you really have loved him if he was nine to two on the line? And yeah. it's like, they can't disassociate themselves from their original opinion. It's so, it's so yeah. funny. Cause we, we that's, have that. Same. That's what you have to do. Yeah. We have that. Same. You have to do when you're gambling. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And it's, I, I want to expand on this too, because sports betting is different because it's almost strictly a handicapping exercise, right? If you, if you like, if you like the new England, you're going to bet the Patriots. There's not really, you know, there's prop betting a little bit with the super bowl, but there's not as many creative ways to bet it. Horse racing. No, but you, really need, a, you need to get, you need to get the right numbers, you know, of course, I mean, of course. You know, there, you know, there's games, you know, there's games where, you know, you might like New England and you want to lay three, but if the game floats to four and a half, you might bet the other side. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, just because that's the margin. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. there's, 
there's profit there on both sides, basically, you know? And it's funny, we almost get this reverse mentality, which is a horrible habit, which is if, oh, if it went to four and a half, that means the sharps like him, which means it's the right side, right? No, they liked him at three. They don't like it at four and a half, you know? Yeah, correct. That's the thing. It's, even in, in sports, you always have, if you're a pro sports better, you have to have an opinion, whether it's computerized or handicapping wise, but the key is always getting the best number because yeah. the be getting the best number is what's going to get you your profit. Gotcha. So let's it's not just handicapping. Of course. And, and in horse racing is a different animal because it's, there's so many bad ways to bet an opinion where in sports, there's not nearly as many. Well, that, yeah. In horse racing, the, the, the people betting, if they're not just, if they're doing anything complicated, almost everybody leaks equity with each decision. And, it, and how, what's the most common way people leak equity? Whether, whether it's vertical or horizontal wagers. By not being bold enough to throw out favorites when they don't, when they don't like them best. Right. So when they're, when they're using them defensively, right? Yes. Yes. And that's just automatically, like I'll give you an example. Like, let's say, let's say I look at a race and I, I think that the favorite has the biggest chance to win. Let's say, let's say I give him a 20, I mean, just theoretically, let's say I give him a 20% chance to win. Right. Yeah. And he's two to one. Okay. Or nine to five or eight to five, somewhere in that range. Right. Yeah. And even though I give him the best chance to win, and then I look down and the horse I like fifth best, and I give him a, I give him a 6% chance to win. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he's 25 to one, or I give him an 8% chance to win and he's 20 to one. Right. Yeah. That's who I'm betting on. All right. He's my, I, I make him the fifth most likely horse to win the race but that's who i'm betting on because that's where the profit is in the race for me right and i will play that race and i will usually play him and i will throw out the nine to five shot that i give a 20 percent chance to win to because yeah. he's just miserably valued and i know if i maybe not this race but if I do that for a thousand races, then yeah. I'll be way better off not using the nine to five shot that's I give 20% chance to win to. So let me ask you this. Is there ever a race, and maybe the best example we were talking about before the show is, is the Gamine race on Saturday. She's certainly going to be yeah. one to nine, maybe one to five if we're lucky, right? Is that a race where you automatically just put a couple tries and supers together where, where she doesn't win because it's a low risk bet. And if you hit it's, it's massive. Or do you just avoid the race completely? Cause it's unbettable on a race like that. I, I, I would never, I would, unless I absolutely detest her and like, I think there's, I don't want to say there's something wrong with her, but something might compromise her to where she's going to falter. Horribly. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't, it's a six horse field. Usually when you're trying to beat favorites, you need depth of competition. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So you need, you need, you need, you need many options to try to beat them. And if you're playing tries and supers against them, you need many, many other horses that are, 
that are that are decent against them. Gotcha. So basically, if your opinion like you is, six, yeah. huh? So in other words, like if your opinion is, you know, a six horse field, and you don't get paid as well in the six horse field. Like if you yeah. get Gamine out of a six horse field, like out of the try, it will never pay. Like she's going to be one to five or one to nine. She's going to be one to nine probably. Yeah. If you get her out of the try in the six horse field, it won't pay nearly as good as if you get a three to five shot out of a 12 horse field. Right, right. So it would have been like, uh, so many, like, like, there's so, pitch, like, yeah. There's so, there's, it's, it's all because of the combinations. That's all there is. Gotcha. Like, so, so when you're trying to beat a favorite, you're almost always looking for, is there a minimum amount of horses? Like, is it got to be eight or, or, or is it got to be more than double digits? I, if I, it, if I, it, eight's fine as long as there's like six other decent ones. Gotcha. So that you're looking like, at the depth very, of the field more than the amount. It's all, it's all, it's always depth of field size. Exactly. Like if you're looking to beat Camine and there's only two other horses in the race that like could possibly beat her on their best day and her worst day, then there's, it's futile. Like you, there's, why would you play tries? Like the only way she's, yeah. you know, there's the only way she's going to be out is if something very bad happens to her and you really don't want to be betting and praying that something bad happens. Yeah. It's almost like a Barbaro ticket, right? You just, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Un understood. So no, you need to have, you need to have the depth and, you know, and, but with depth comes problems for most people because they don't really understand how to extract money from the bad favorite opinion. Like, you know, I, you listen to these experts, right? And like, when, when they say they don't like a favorite, well, a lot of times they still include them on their ticket as we've heard recently. Yeah. But, but a lot of times their idea of when they hate a bad favorite is to pick one horse against them and like bet them to win or something. And it's like, that's not, that's not how it works. You're, you're betting one horse against the, the horse you don't like, but you're only betting that horse because the price is inflated. Right. When you don't like a favorite, when you don't like a favorite, you really don't like a favorite and there's depth in the field, you need to capitalize on getting value if you're right on that bad favorite in multiple spots, it yeah. would be like best way, best way I can explain it is let's say there's a pick four sequence, right? Yeah. And there's a three to five shot in every, in all four legs, right? Yep. Well, how many times are you going to get the three to five shot out of all four legs of a pick four sequence? It'd be rare. It'd be rare. It'd be rare. Very rare. Yeah. But in a superfecta, if you hate a three to five shot and it's a 12 horse field and that that three to five shot isn't very good that day or gets compromised by some trouble or gets jammed up on the inside or gets a terrible trip or doesn't make the lead when he's supposed to make the lead, you can get him out of all four spots. So you get a four spot multiplier way easier in a spot like that than you get a four spot multiplier in a pick four. Like you can play you know, you can play a thousand pick fours and never get a three to five shot out of all four legs if there was one. Yeah. And like, but in a race, it's way easier. You it's know, one, if you think if, you know, if you talk to the normal person and you say, oh, and he said, and he says, I think this three to five shots a complete cinch, right? He's, he just lays over the field. He's a complete cinch, right? Well, 
when I tell you, okay, he didn't win, are you going to say, oh, well, he's, then he's a cinch to be second. And then I tell you, well, he didn't run second either. Are you going to say, oh, my God, well, then he's a complete cinch to be third, right? Once, yeah. once the, once the shine is off the three to once the shine is off the three to five, that's supposed to be a cinch. Like that's, that's yeah, when it's like the glass it. shattering. It's suddenly you're not putting it on a, pe- a three to five pedestal, right? Exactly. You're not worshiping at the altar of the three to five, you know? Correct. And, and that all comes from depth of field. And it's but, funny like you say I, that. I actually feel this way about Malathat in the, in the Oaks because I think there's a very good chance she could get into trouble. I mean, she's gotten in trouble in, her last two trips and she's been able to gut out wins, which has been great, but now she's got 14 horses. And I actually think the Oaks is pretty deep. Um, and maybe, maybe like you said, the way to attack, that's actually my main opinion on the race. Cause there's a lot of, I don't know who's going to win the Oaks, yeah. but actually my main opinion on that race is I think Malathat has a good chance of getting in trouble as the favorite. So let's take that opinion is the best way to attack that a super trying to throw out Malathat. It, it, like I said, it all depends on your bankroll and your other opinions in the race. Gotcha. Like sometimes you sometimes you can get there cheaply, sometimes you can cheat to get there cheaply. It you know it all depends on, like I said, this this is the problem. You need you need depth of field size to capitalize on these properly, but also that's that creates a lot of variance. Like I said, yeah. But you you know you need to look at these situations over many 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 times, and if you're right on your you hate mouth that opinion. And, you know, you're able to capitalize, you're able to play correct tickets against that. And you're right. You will get the money over the long run. Just maybe not. Far. Right. Cause Malathat could just run down the field. Like she did in the last no, or, or she might be out and you still might miss. Yeah, of course. You know? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's the whole thing. Like I said, if, if your opinion's right on Malathat, you might not get the money Friday, but if you, if you played correctly and you were, you were good at not liking a horse like Malathat and you were right, you'd eventually get the money. You want, you want to play that race, you know, you want to have the bankroll and be able to play that race a hundred times a day. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. If your opinion's right. If, if Malathat's winning off the screen every time, then your opinion's wrong and you're going to get broke. But if your opinion's right and you play properly, you're going to win in the long run. Yeah. I, I think what I struggle with. You're eventually is- going to get the money. Yeah. And, and when I, you get the money, it'll be way more than you lose when you, when you're not right or you lose. Exactly. Um, I, yeah. I think, you know, again, I, before this, I, I listened back to your Jason Beam uh, interview and uh, by the way, anybody who's at all interested in horses, uh, not, not to promote another podcast, but uh, Jason Beam's worth promoting. And, uh, and uh, did the two part interview you did with them was outstanding, but you, you talked about a concept, which was, I, I again, I never heard of, it was creating hurdles for yourself on purpose to try to extract value from a race. Can you kind of explain that concept and, and why it's, it's difficult. It sounds wrong, right? It sounds like, shouldn't you create bets that are easy to hit and you, and you say, no, no, it's a complete opposite. Like, like, you know, you know, some experts say that survival is the key. I was just well, talking with Mr. Surly about the, that. Yeah. <laughs> survival is not the key because the best way to survive is to play all, all, all over race. Well, if survival was the key and you played all, all, all every race, you, you would end up, you know, you'd end no up in quick. a fine box very quickly. 
and let's say let's say let's say the next way let's say the next you want to survive and you play you know the first four favorites every leg of you know the pick five or something well in in theory in theory and you know odds wise that would be your best way to survival you know if you if 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 you had uh you know if let's just put it this way if if you were going to play if you were going to play uh yeah if you i mean if you were going to if you had an x amount to put into a sequence right yeah and and your best way to survival is to divide that money up how much we're ever going to play and try to make each race the entry whichever entry you play in each race as the lowest price so if you took the top four favorites in every race well that that would give you the highest percent chance to win every race which would give you the high of survival but as we all know if you do that you're going to get broke so the survival thing the survival theory is shot out of the water right there right because and it's not going to even if you hit it's not going to pay anything when, it, when you hit, it's not going to pay anything. And when you lose, you're losing everything. Right. Because, I mean, that's just, you're going to be wrong, even taking the first four favorites every race. So so here's, let's let's take example for, so I was looking at the early pick five for yeah. Oaks Day. And, and, um, and going back to the hurdle thing, just oh, go ahead. real quick. Yeah. Just, no, because it's a great concept. When, I want people to know you, this. When you create a hurdle in a race, okay, if you create a hurdle properly, you're usually either you can single a favorite and that a hurt singling a favorite that's not one to nine or something. Like if you single a five to two favorite, that's a hurdle because if you win, you're gaining equity. Right. And if you single a five to two shot, most people aren't singling a five to two shot. That's that that means there's a lot of options in a race. Like if there's a five to two favorite. That means there's a, usually a few horses that have a chance. And so a lot of people will go like three or four deep in those races because there's no four to five shot or six to five shot. So if you single that five to two shot, you're creating a hurdle. If you single a 10 to one shot, you're creating a hurdle. If you, if you take a stand against a four to five shot or a three to five shot and go four deep against them, you're creating a hurdle. Anytime you create a hurdle, you're making sure in the race that you have an opinion, you stick to it, and you're going to gain equity if you're correct. So, and yeah, and it usually, and hurdles usually lead to a reduction of combinations in that race, which usually lead to being able to make your ticket stronger in other legs. No, that's a great, uh, it's a great concept. And I wish- you want to create them, so that you can get paid if you're right and you're guaranteed at gaining equity during the sequence. Yeah, because let's be clear, your win percentage will go down with this method, yes. but your ROI will increase dramatically. Your win percentage will go down, your IOI increases astronomically. And also if you can play, a lot of times when you create hurdles, you can now play your ticket for double the minimum, triple the minimum, quadruple the minimum. So when you're actually right on something that, on a ticket that has value instead of a ticket that has no value, 
you now quadrupled, tripled your good ticket. So when it wins, you get paid times three times four. Yeah. So I think my biggest problem ITP is I, I have a, I sometimes create too many hurdles and I try to be too heroic yes. and, do that I, and I actually go the opposite way. Cause like, I'm looking at, again, for example, this, this early pick five, I can make a case against literally every favorite. Like, I don't think there's any strong favorite in that early pick five. Yep. And my first instinct would almost be to leave three out of the three or four out of the five off my ticket, but that's probably not the way to go unless that's I gonna go really deep. Create, that's going to create high variance for you. Exactly. But if you're right, you're going to get, you're going to get, you're backing up the bridge truck. Yes. So let's, so, and obviously I'm, you know, I'm, I'm only, I'm only 27. I, I don't have the, the sweat equity that you you've had over the years. So for somebody, my opinion is not going to be as good as somebody that's been around as long as you and you play professionally. So yeah. what's a reasonable amount of hurdles that a newcomer can make? Is, should it start with one? You just start, you make one hurdle, you find one favor in a sequence that you just throw off. I mean, is that enough or, or what, what's your opinion each, on that? Each, each sequence different. In, in, in fuller fields with, 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 in fuller fields where you, you know, your hurdles might be a little more spreadier, uh, where you're trying to beat the favorites, like you're saying, and you want to make sure you get the winner, then you might have to create a couple. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's sequence oriented. There's some sequences where, like I give you a perfect example. If you think that Kameen could get beat, right? right. If you think that Kameen could be, get beat, you, won't, you want that hurdle. Now you might want to press with more hurdles, yeah. but that's a big enough hurdle. Right. You only need right. that hurdle and just do what you can. If you're right, you know, in the other legs within reason, you know, you don't want to go all, you know, but you just, you want to give yourself the best chance possible that if you do get a mean beat that. Yeah. Cause that's a, a major, that's a major, that's a major opinion. That's exactly right. And you might have to create other hurdles based on your bankroll, but you kind of want, you don't. You want, you want to limit to for yourself. As small as possible. How's that? No, like, it's a, some, sometimes you've already created a hurdle from here to the ceiling. So if you get over <laughs> that, you want to get paid. You got to, you, you've got to give yourself the best chance to get paid. All right. Yeah. But you know, so it, it's all sequence and opinion oriented. Well, can you make, can you make the argument that um, your hurdles is kind of like the handicapping in regular sports? Cause it, it, exactly like our Patriots example. So at a certain point, so at a certain point, you think that the favorite's going to win and, or you're going to do this many hurdles, but it, you kind of hit that point that breaks the, the camels better or where you feel that it's not as good a bet. Is that kind of an accurate comparison? It is kind of Matt. It's basically you're, you're trying to go where everybody else isn't, you know what I mean? So if, if the Patriots are Patriots are a public team, right? So they're going to get bet up like crazy and you want to be the guy that's willing to take the, the last sip of juice out of the jar. You know what I mean? Like you gotta be, you gotta be contrarian and horse racing. It's more important to be contrarian because it's a pair of mutual game and not against the, against the book. You're trying to beat. It makes sense. You're trying to beat the masses. Yes. You have to figure out what everybody else is playing and then not play that. And you, and you said this before ITP, it's actually more important to understand where everybody else is going in either a race or in a horizontal than it is to actually bet that to get your opinion on the horses in that seat. Yeah, that, the most important thing is figuring out where everybody else is going. Because if you, if you figure out where everybody else is going, 
and that's where the underlays are. All the overlays are in the spots where people aren't going. And you need to figure out where most of the tickets are going to be. They're going to be single in this race or single in this race or single in both of those races and where they'll be spreading. Because if you catch a 10 to one shot in a race where everybody's spreading, it's way less valuable than a 10 to one shot where in one of the races where most people are singling. So it's uh, even though they're both 10 to one, one's worth way more than the other. And well, actually, yeah, it, it, I'll tell you what it's like, like, you know, you guys are sports guys. Like if you look at a hockey, if you look at a hockey heat map where the shots and the goals are scored from, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You'll see the heat map and that's where all the shots are from. That's where the goals are scored. You, you got to bet in those blue zones. <laughs> yeah. You want to get away from the, the blue zones, the red zones, and you want to get to where you see the white. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get the white ice where nobody's shooting from, where nobody's scoring from. And you need to look at a sequence and you say, hey, can I get, you know, you can't just do it blindly. You have to say, can I reasonably get to this, to this patch of white ice, you know, in yeah. the sequence. And if you can get to that white ice, like, like Gamin, you won't even be able to, you wouldn't even be able to see her name. It would be so hot on the heat map yep <laughs> every other horse would every other horse will be white in that race like there'd be i mean the only the only the only the only color on the other horses will be overlap from gamine like you won't <laughs> you won't find any, you won't find any other colors on any other horses because everybody so if you can ever make a case to get against gamine that you know, this is a this is a wild example and something that's not going, you know, to happen very often. But I'm just giving you an example. Like that's where if you can get to that area, then then you have you have hit the you have hit the multi-leg equity jackpot <laughs> in in pick in pick X's race if you can finish it. Well that's how then that's how you, that's how you after you do that, then then survival is crucial. How <laughs> So it's funny. It's, it's a bit of, it is a bit of survival, but you no, have, it's not but, a bit of survival, but, 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 but if you have enough, if you have a big enough hurdle, you can justify a little bit of survival, right? You, you, you hope, you hope to survive, but you don't, you don't want to butcher your tickets doing it. Like if all, all the other four, you know, it's one of those things, like I said, you, when I, when I explained it to you, you want to try to beat Gamine and then play, play a ticket that's going to get there and then press some others. You yeah. kind of want to win your presses. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You're, so your presses are probably going to be, once you beat Gamine, your presses are going to be mostly to the horses you like best, which are probably going to be the favorites or fate. You know what I mean? Of course. Of so, course. cause you don't, you don't, once you beat Gamine, you don't, need to get outside and if you do get outside in another race having it once is plenty and it's so important but it's so that important makes it but it makes but it but it's so important to recognize how big of a hurdle gamine is right because you, you got to recognize that versus but nobody there's nobody trying to be mean and not using her that would ever use the race ever use the term i'm trying to survive this race <laughs> that is that is true does that make sense it does. Yes. It does. So, so even um, though 
even though you're hoping after you beat Kameen, if you do ever beat Kameen, that you do have the other winners, the entire ticket is the entire ticket is not 1% based on survival because you have one race where survival is not even close to being an option. That, that is so true. So I'd actually like to, to give people like a concrete example of what this looks like. So if you have the PPs in front of you, I want to go through the, the, the pick five at Oaks, the, the late pick five. And I'm going to give you what I think other people, how other people are going to bet the sequence. So we're not, we're not necessarily handicapping, but I want to do this to, to show people like what, what it is. So that first race, I think it's pretty obvious. Ant Pearl is, it's not quite going to be Gamine low, but I think everybody's going to single Ant Pearl. In, yeah. that, in that first race in race seven. Correct. Um, yeah. in race, might, oh, go ahead. In the first, in a, in a first leg, in a first leg, in a, let me just start this off by saying in a, in a first leg where, in, in, in a first leg where there's only, I shouldn't say there's only one other option, but there's one other obvious option mm-hmm. that because it's the first leg and people want to stay alive, you'll get more twos than if it was in the fourth leg. How's that? Oh, is that right? So it actually, yeah. so in other words, singling Aunt Pearl in the first leg would gain you slightly more equity than if this was like the fifth leg. It's not nearly yes. as bad of a single, I guess is what I'm yes. saying. The, there, there's more, just the way people start looking at tickets from start to finish, the I don't want to be dead after one leg theory, you will find more people that will go, that will use the two horses in the first leg than if it was the fourth leg. Gotcha. Okay. Or the last leg, basically. No, and that's fascinating because that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Because yeah, it, again, most horse people, players. Me not knowing much to, about horse racing, know, that's the way I would think. Is yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to risk it all on the first one. Yeah, people don't want to be playing a three hundred dollar pick five ticket and going dead in the first leg. No, it makes a lot of sense. So then we look at. I race- should say people. The pe- people who will be playing on Derby Day and on Oaks Day in this pool, people people that play every day to win and do win, this doesn't affect them at all. This is just you're getting more square money in the pool on a day yeah. like this, and more square money is it does exactly stuff like that. Absolutely. So and, but, it isn't we, a normal day. It isn't a normal day. You have to handicap. You have to handicap the other players on a day like this. Absolutely. And that's part of what we're doing. That's, that's just part of what I'm giving you the gist of here. No, I really appreciate that because I think that's an amazing point. It makes a lot of sense. And then we go to race yeah. eight, which is, which is a shorter field. But the what I look at, there's a lot of names people have heard of. Like there's a lot of big name horses that have been around a while. So I could actually see people going, you know, three to four deep, even though it's a shorter field. What do you, what do you think? Just glancing at this for one second. This will be a spread race. You can make a case. You can make a case. Just looking at it, you can make a case for a lot of horses. Yeah. You know, besides, besides the Brad Cox factor on the two, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the other horses look a little convoluted to me. You know, yep. I mean, you know, there will be the there will be the Chad Brown, Brad Cox two squares in in quantity. Right. But if you really are a little bit against that then people will get spready. And, you know, after you just singled, after you just singled Ant Pearl, all, all, all will be an option here for a lot of people. <laughs> you know, I, I would say that, I would say that just looking at it real quick, the, 
the two most squares would be some form of two, three, and all. No, I, uh, you know, I agree with and that. And the That's alls might be a five or a six. You know, you might have you might have the odd pe person that takes five. You know, you have people taking five or six but it'll be two and three are spready. And that's, and that's kind of how I see it too, ITP. And then if you yeah. look at the next two races, I definitely think they're both big spread races, particularly race 10, which is that turf sprint. Um, I, I think these are both easy spread races. I, I can't see anybody, yeah. anybody in the masses. And, and, then, and not only that, they're, if, if the ticket starts out and Pearl to two and three, they're, yeah. all, they're both spread races. Exactly. Correct. And because oh, of that, so that's that's what I mean. You kind of got to work if you, the 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 Ant Pearl to two and to 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 Chad Brown and yeah and Cox tickets will be spread spread. Right, and which so you, you know because, you, you can adjust the tickets. That's what I mean. I'm not, you don't need to come with the exact tickets, but you need to know if 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 this if these tickets start out single by two, then this going to be spread spread. If the ticket starts out single by all, then they're going to have to find something in the next three races, you know, to yeah. kind of narrow stuff like that. No, I, I think that's brilliant. And because there, you got two massive spread races before the Oaks, I actually think it's going to force people to go skinny in the Oaks. I think two to maybe yeah. three horses for most people. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, you know, most, sequ most sequences, you know, they aren't set in stone, but you can kind of get, there are sequences that are completely set in stone, right. but most sequences you can get down to, you know, basically a few patterns of tickets, which are going to be the majority of tickets. Gotcha. Um, so let me, I'm going to give you like my two biggest opinions from the sequence and how I think I want to attack it. And you can tell me whether it's a bad way to do it or not. My first opinion is I think Ann Pearl is a single. I, I'm not going to try to beat her. I, I, I know people have given the newspaper of record comparison, but new, newspaper of record got beaten this race by, uh, by not Cambier Park. It was, um, it was a Concrete Rose, who was like an awesome horse, grade one running horse. I don't think there's any Concrete Rose in this field. Ann Pearl's got a great uh, uh, speed advantage. I'm not going to try to beat her. But my other big opinion is I actually like a single in the turf sprint. Uh, I, I'm going to try to single the Peter Miller horse. Whether that opinion's bad doesn't really matter. But I think that's a big spread race, and I'm going to try to single that race to get gain some equity. Um, and I think those are the only two hurdles I'm going to give myself. I, I think I'm going to play no, like the normal two to three deep and, and maybe four deep in the rest of the races. Is that enough of a hurdle to separate from this from this particular sequence, or do you think I need to go either a single or try to get a, a longer price in one of those spread races? Two two singles as hurdles is fine. The Ant Pearl race, the Ant Pearl races. I mean, that's a fine single because you know you're not singling. You know, you're not coming right back and sing. You're not coming right back and going like she dares the devil or Dunbar. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and your Peter Miller single does. You know, like I said, that separates you from the yeah. crowd because that will be a spread. And, and it's and it's weird because it's he might go up uh Sabam Sabamye, and I can never pronounce that horse's name, might be your favorite. I think he's four to one right now, but but to your point, it's it's a it still separates you because so many people want to spread in that race. And oh yeah, that's that's a that's a spready this is a spready race for sure. Yeah. And not only that, other people singling and taking a shot in there, they're 
you know, there's going to be a wide variety there. So it's not all congregating on one horse to possibly single. Like, yeah. you know, there'll be FIA singles and, yeah, you know, so like when, when you, <clears throat> like if you look at a race and like you have one horse that like, you know, that's a little, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Like not, none of these races, but you'll see maiden races sometimes mm -hmm. where you have like a 10 horse field and one horse will be a little less worse than the others. Yep. Yep. And like, even though he's terrible, you know, his buyers are like 10, power, 10 points higher than all the rest or something like that. Or he's got a good trainer, yeah. you know, and for some reason, this horse who is himself a rat is a little less rattier than the others. And for whatever reason, the entire world, because they don't like all the others look the same, they'll just congregate to this horrible single. It's so funny. I actually did that today at, uh, at Thistledown of all places. There was a, there was the late pick three, um, the two favorite, like all the horses were terrible. Like it was yeah, 5,000 exactly. claimer level, but these yeah. two favorites were getting bet down like crazy. And the rest of the field was, so I just tossed out the two favorites and uh, a 12 to one comes in. Exactly. My, pick, my pick three play, pays like $50 to a dollar. It was crazy. There you go. I mean, like it was, I, we didn't even talk about that. And that's the perfect example. Yeah. Like you never, you never want a single, a favorite. You never want a single favorite is like process of elimination that they're less terrible than the others. Yeah. And, and believe it or not, like that's, you can't, I, I, you know, all my life, whenever I can look at pools and look how things are bet and you know, see how much money's alive to each horse and each leg, stuff like that. I always watch, yeah. you know, if I have time, I always try to watch because that's, that's how I learn what I learn on what people's tendencies are. And yeah. like I said, in a parimutuel game, the most important thing is knowing what other people's tendencies are. And it's, that's one thing that's always amazed me is how overbet in, in just, crazy races where it's I, where it's like difficult to separate horses how the one how one or even two horses that are just a little bit better than the rest yeah it's like you said they're just less bad right yeah they're less bad and it's just is, unbelievable how overbet these things are yeah. this is the hawks going to play the red wings we're just a little less bad than the red wings. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is unreal yeah. nice. no, it's been I mean, more that's you notice these, these, these are the things you have. And, and when you look at a race and you say, well, here's one of these races, you know, where one horse is a little bit better and how, you know, this horse should never be favored against anybody, but yet everybody's gravitating to him because he looks a little bit better, has the leading jockey and the leading trainer, you know, and there's just, it's amazing, like how over they are in the in the pick axis you and think it's easier for whether it's a veteran player or a beginning player to to make hay at some of these smaller tracks than it is oh. at places like churchill yeah for sure um there's you're there's way more sharper money and sharper people betting bigger tracks um the smaller like you can go out online right now and you know there's there's tracks you know, you can buy information, trip notes, stuff like that for basically almost every major track. But if you go to the smaller tracks, um, 
you can't find any of that. So if you do any work, if you do, if you want to win and you do any work on those tracks where you gain an edge, like you watch all the replays and stuff, you're so much ahead of your competition. Cause a lot of these tracks, people are just betting cause they're on TVG at night or, you know, they don't know anything. And it's like, yeah, it's just, you have such an edge. And if you're getting a rebate, the rebates are higher at those tracks because the host fees are less. Mm -hmm. And if you just, you know, it, it's a question if you want, if you want to try to win or if you want, if you want to, you know, try to just bet at tracks that are, you, you have some familiarity with just because those are the tracks you started betting. Yeah. Like I always say, if you, if you can win at Santa Anita, Gulfstream, Churchill, New York, then you can win way more betting other tracks. No, and it's funny you say that because I, I, I always thought the opposite because the pools were smaller there. But to your yeah. point, it, it's the, 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 the money's less sharp because there just isn't as many sharks in the water. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I started out, like I, I'd play Santa Anita, Hollywood Park. And, you know, all, all, you know, all the Southern Cal Del Mar. Los Alamitos were the four tracks I'd go to all the time. And then when I started going to Vegas, I'd play all the big tracks because that's what they had, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, the race books started out, you know, they had smaller tracks, but, you know, you just played the big tracks. So, and then when simulcasting came into play, you know, I kind of started playing pretty much everything I thought I had an edge at. And then, once I got my first rebate, I then kind of migrated to the bigger tracks because I was betting a lot and it could hold. And back then the, the, the host fees were, were, were the same at the big tracks as they were at the small tracks, basically. Right. They, you know, back, back then they might've been like three and four, maybe three and five percent. Yeah. That was the gap. Now, now you're into the three, three and four to 10, 10, 10, 10 and a half areas. So the gap's much wider. So no, that's, that's, that's fascinating to know. Cause like yeah. I said, it's, I think, you know, when you're new to the game, you, your first instinct is to kind of go to the big tracks and that's yeah. probably the wrong mentality. Uh, yeah. And when, and when, and when you're, and when you're betting a lot of money, you need the pools to be absorbing your money better. So the bigger tracks, you need the bigger tracks and the bigger pools. Right. That's what right. it comes down to. But as you know, as I've done over the years, the cost of bets have gone up with the host fees and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the product, the products at the big tracks have deteriorated to where they're worse than the small tracks. Oh, Santa um, Anita, you'll be lucky to get I, I tweeted out about it the other day. They had a four horse, like twenty thousand maiden claimer. They had a hundred thousand dollars in the wind pool. And I'm like, who the hell is betting into this pool? I, I couldn't believe it. No, when I, when I started with the rebate, I mean, I would just basically look at every Santa Anita race and just bet, you know, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be if I'm betting, it's just how much I'm betting. It's, right. you know, if, if I like the race, I'd bet a lot more. If I didn't like the race, I'd bet a little, some races I'd pass. Sure. But yeah, I just bet like 20,000. Yeah, Cause you're trying to get turned. Like it was nothing. Huh? Yeah, because you're trying to get churn for the rebate, which makes yeah, sense. I'm trying to get quantity exactly, and I was familiar enough to with it to where, you know, I I could handle, you know, I was I was fine, but 
then, like I said, as they start raising the host fee and the product starts deteriorating, it just becomes futile, you know, it becomes an effort in futility because the more you bet, you know, the less you win because your, your quantity goes up, but your sharpness goes down and you have to be ultra selective. You now have to be ultra selective. You know, you can only bet, you know, 10 and 12 horse maiden fields and stuff like that. You know, you can't bet five and six horse fields. And, you know, as I explained earlier, when you're trying to win, you need depth of competitions in the field. Right. You know, and, you know, unless you're just trying to, unless you're trying to bet win bets and on chalk and stuff like that, it's just, it's, you need depth and yeah. you need depth in field. And that's deteriorated at every track. Every right. major circuit in North America has deteriorated in that fact. No, and it's a shame. And it, look, it, with their, we could we could talk about the problems of horse racing because there's a lot of them. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted one more uh, betting concept to talk about. Um, one one major thing you taught me was anytime I was betting something over ten to one, I would bet one place show. And yeah. you know, and after listening to you for a while, I stopped doing that. And I would just if I liked a twenty one shot, I put the same amount of money I was going to put all, across all three on the win. And yeah. if it, you know, I was, it's again, it's similar to that horizontal concept. You don't want to, you don't want to play scared. You, you want to press your opinion. Can you explain why the, the, the show and the wind uh, place pools are really bad? Cause a lot of beginners play those pools. Well, when you bet a 20 to one shot, your opinion is that I like this horse at 20 to one. Okay. So your win bet, your win bet is your win bet meshes with your opinion okay once you bet place your opinion means nothing because <laughs> the, your entire your entire payout on the horse that is 20 to 1 is whether the favorite finishes second or not right if the favorite finishes second they usually they almost always have the most place money on them so if the favorite finishes second then your place price is decimated because the favorite finishes second. Right. So now when you're betting the place, your opinion has to be, I like my horse at 20 to one, but now I have to decide whether I like the favorite right. or not. If you like the favorite, then you can't possibly ever think about betting place. Right. Because, because he's got a high really percentage point. Of because you're going to decimate your place price. If he runs second, if you don't like the favorite, then you're better off taking the place money and playing exact as not just the place, but the winning place with against the favorite or exact as tries, whatever. All right. You'll be way better off in the long run. But just in general, if you like a 20 to one shot, that's your win price that you like him because you think he has a better chance than 20 to one to win. So you need to bet them to win and you need to make that bet. That's a separate bet. The place and show are all dependent on the favorite opinion. So that's a completely separate opinion. And if you find, you know, with breakage, with breakage being so prevalent on place and show prices and cutting into your profits that you'll find over the long run without fail, you'll have, you'll have gaps. You'll have, you'll have stretches where it'll, it'll show that you, place would be better than win. But if you ever stretch it out among any kind of big sample, you will always be better taking place and show money and moving it to the win 
unless there's some extenuating circumstance. Right, right. But the, you know, this is the general rule, though. I mean, yeah, this is the this is the ninety nine percent of the time rule, exactly. That you you'll always win more money just putting whatever you'll we always do. have a better ROI on a win bet than you will betting win place or win show or win place and show. No, because honestly, I and I, I appreciate you answering that because I I think that's the most common mistake that beginner because look the beginner's gonna the win place show pool is an easy pool it's just you're betting your horse to do well in the race and i just think it's so common i know i made it i made it for so long and i i appreciate you explaining why that's such a bad bet yeah like i i i still remember like i was 12 or 13 and i would go to vegas my parents would go to vegas you know maybe once every four six months and i'd go with them and so there was a snack bar off to the side of the race book. I think it was at Circus Circus. So I'd sit in the snack bar and, you know, they would be doing whatever they do. And I would be sitting there, you know, they'd leave me alone, but they'd come back and forth, you know, so I wasn't there oh, yeah. alone all the time. And I would sit there and I'd watch the race book. And so I was watching the dog races one night or one whatever. And I was looking and the dog races were showing the place and the show prices and the gaps, right? And so I started looking at that and I'm going, wow, I wonder what that is. Cause I'd never seen that before because they didn't have that in any of the tracks I'd ever been to. Yeah. They didn't have, they didn't have the place show out place. You know, they didn't have the place place show payouts where it show like three sixty to yeah. eight twenty. You're, uh, you you're, date, you're dating yourself a little bit too there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, so I sit in there and I'm trying to figure this out. I'm going, what does that mean? And then I finally figured everything out. And I always saw, I always, you know, and then I figured out, Hey, that, wow. When the favorite runs, when the favorite runs in the first and second hole, then that eight to one shot pays, you know, 420 to place. But if, you know, he's not there, he could pay 960 to place. Right. And so I then realized the concept that place prices are predicated strictly on if the chalk runs first or second. And that's, right. That, that has to be your whole decision on whether you're ever going to bet place. No, and it makes sense too, because even if you don't like the favorite to finish second, then you should be betting a super try Correct. and throwing them out. That'd be Correct. a much better bet. Correct. Yes. You can't, if, if you like a 20 to one shot and you hate the favorite, the worst possible way you could ever capitalize on it is making a place better. <laughs> the worst by far. Yeah. You, you could play quick picks off your 20 to one shots without the favorite and you'd be way better off <laughs> that's uh that's you can just pull so numbers out of a hat do whatever yeah just as long as your other number wasn't the favorite you you pulled the favorite number out of the hat yeah all right no inside the pause i cannot thank you enough for for coming on matt did you have any uh any last questions i i know we took up a ton of your time and again we can't thank you enough for uh spreading your knowledge to the masses because we need it no problem i yeah. just want to tell you that i'm not i'm not I'm actually, I'm actually a bull on the Blackhawks for you. Hey, listen, man, I, <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. Cause it's uh we'll, we'll pull I, for I, the Knights in the playoffs. When, I, I love, I love your, I love your coach. I think you've got some kind of good. I think you've got some kind of good youthful foundation there. Yeah. Yeah. Between Kubalik, Debrinket, Kirby Doc. I mean, Kane's only 32 and so it's funny you say that about coddling because chicago hates him like we hate our coach <laughs> like, Dude, really wow i like him I, no honestly i i'm jury's still out for me like because i, I can kind of see where the 
direction is finally starting to go. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree, Matt, that most of the city is not a Catalan fan? What don't you do not like them because he's not Quinville. That that's not yeah, a big part of it. Quinville, like, uh, that, like that's he, literally all it's it. more like, being it's mad not at on the his management merits, for right? firing Quinville. It's, 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 yeah, it's literally just Stan Bowman uh, decided that Quinville wasn't nice and fired, a, fired a Hall of Fame coach. That's all it is. It could have been the greatest okay. coach to come after him. It, and listen, we're fans. We're not thinking with logic a lot of the time, but Matt's right. It's, it's a. Cause like it, he'd be one of my, like if I was hiring coaches, he'd be in my top five list. Well, it's funny. Cause I didn't realize you guys hated your coach. I, I you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like my coach. It's literally. literally Nobody ever likes their coach. <laughs> Nobody likes their coach. Oh, I love Gallant. You're wrong. Oh man. I, lo- I love Gallant. So I thought, you know, I, he had his deficiencies. Like he was an analytics guy, but he got his players to play for him. And I, you, you, there's a lot of coaches that you can't measure that about. Yeah. Is there, um, I, I know, I know we, we're not going to talk handicapping, but one last question, like, is there, I know you typically don't bet horses, you're betting against horses. Is there any horse between these two days that you really like that you really think you're going to put a bet on or. No, I, I told you, I, I told you before I came on, I basically glanced at it for yeah. 10 or 20 minutes. I, yeah. I, it's just, it's, it's so worthless to look ahead of time. There's so many things that, yeah. you know, you, you could, you could be in love, like, you know, you could be in love. You, you could be in love with, uh, uh, what's the horse against, uh, and Annie Pearl. Oh, uh, oh the, the you could be in love with gift list because you hate aunt Pearl and she scratches or something, you know? Right. Right. And then your opinion, everything you predicated your entire play on is now yeah. dead. And then you just you then you bend out pearl of a place and you're good. <laughs> well, uh, it itp, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I you were so generous with your time, and uh, I think we learned a lot today. And uh, I I want I want your your gospel to keep going out to the masses as much as possible. So hopefully we get better. I try. We'll we'll yeah. see how long that lasts. I'm I'm getting a little I'm getting a little weakened here. So I don't uh, don't blame me one bit. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Itp, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, uh, you can find him at Inside the Pylons on Twitter, where uh, he's uh, fighting a good fight. And uh, that'll be it for us at Chicago Plus the Points. Thank you for Thanks. listening. Thanks very much, Michael and Matt. Thank Bye. you. Thanks.